You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. And I'll, I'll say this, you know, explicitly. Um, my sobriety has nothing to do with anybody else, right? Like, if you enjoy beer and it makes your life better and you have fun with it, like, absolutely do it. I, I, I also don't like broccoli, but that's not an indictment of anybody who, you know, eats broccoli, right? Like, but so, you know, I basically just said, okay, this is like not, uh, I'm not going to mess with this stuff. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, brought to you by Sound Talent Media and Evergreen Podcasts, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians talking about their lives, music, and craft beer. I hope you had a glorious weekend. I most certainly did. This Vox and Hops episode is presented by Heavy Montreal. Heavy Montreal are Montreal's premier metal promoter, and we have teamed up to bring you Heavy Montreal Presents Vox and Hops Brutal Montreal 2022. This year's event is happening on September 2nd at Corona Theater and features Deicide performing their classic album Legion in its entirety, along with Cataclysm, who are performing their classic album Serenity and Fire in its entirety, and we have Inhuman Condition that is opening up the gig. Tickets are flying for this show. If you want to come, you better pick some up soon via the link in the description of this podcast. You don't want to miss it. I'm going to be there. We're going to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer together. Do it. You'll regret it if you do not. I'm beyond stoked to have Heavy Montreal behind the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I'd just like to ask you to follow the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. But more than that, I would love for you to rate it and write a review. Now, why do I want to do that? Well, you have to imagine that when someone is looking for a new podcast to listen to, what do they do? They scroll down, they look at those ratings, they look at the reviews, and if the reviews state that the podcast is amazing, that I'm a great host, that all my guests are super cool, and I ask great questions, well, they're most probably going to give Vox and Hops a chance. So by you writing a review, you may actually persuade someone to become a brand new Vox and Hops head, and that would be something that I would truly appreciate. Now, today on the podcast, I'm with Matt Medeiros of Calopsia and Ruinous. Get ready, everyone. This is Vox and Hops episode number 347. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today I'm with Matt Medeiros of Calopsia, Ruinous. Uh, he used to be in Tombs. He's a cool dude. He was introduced to me from an excellent person called Michelle Ayub, uh, who runs Turbo House, which shirt I'm wearing right now. Um, Matt, how you doing? Awesome. We've got two Matt M's here today, so I know. hopefully we can tell each other apart. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on a roll with Matt's. I, I didn't have very many Matt's on the podcast, and then recently I've had a bunch, so that makes me nice. happy. Let's jump straight, straight into the shittiest question I'm going to ask you. Uh, how did you cope with the glorious years, plural, of 2020, 2021, and hopefully not more of 2022? How have you been coping throughout these crazy, crazy times? Uh, the shortest answer is simple carbohydrates. Uh, <laughs> this is a, uh, a bad idea. Um, you know, just to, to just to keep it keep it real. You know, we we had some we we lost some people. We had some some hardships. Um, you know, I have a I have a job I can do remotely, so I was keeping very busy with work. And you know, I think I think like a lot of people, it was like, all right, let's figure out things we can do, things we can double down on, right? So keeping busy with work, you know, taking care of a family. Um, but then, you know, the rest of the time it was like, all right, let's, we're going to have a zoom movie night. Yeah. Right. So everybody's going to start Terminator two judgment day director's cut at the same time. Yes. Right. Uh, and so classic movies, schlocky movies. Um, I figured out how to get, you know, Twitch working on my Xbox. Amazing. So, you know, so some friends, you know, hanging out, playing God of war, being bad yeah. at video games. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and you know, like, 
oh, stay inside, watch movies, listen to music, and play video games. It's like, okay, so just relive the best parts of my teenage years. Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, to, I was working, you know, I was working with Tombs at the time, and we did uh, literally a week before the shutdown. It was uh, February 28th, 2020. We had the record release show for the Monarchy of Shadows EP that came out on Season of Mist. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had geared up for, for touring and all that. Um, but, you know, obviously with everything getting shut down, you know, uh, Mike Hill is not a dude to, to rest on his laurels. So it was like, all right, let's just do the, the full length. So we actually had um, Under Sullen Skies come out in November of 2020. So we had an EP and a full length come out uh, nine months apart, or Irish twins, as we might call it. Um, and, uh, yeah, so then it was just, it was just like, Hey, let's, uh, you know, let's shoot uh, a video for, you know, web stream. Let's, uh, do slay at home, you know, mm. kept really busy. Um, yeah. And so, you know, just, I think everybody was just trying to figure out how do you keep your head above water? How do you do cool stuff? Uh, how do you do things safely? And, you know, uh, we, we made it right. Like we're, here we are, things are opening back up. You know, uh, and, you know, these are these are biblical events. Right. So the fact that we're the fact that we're able to be here talking about satanic tea and death metal is uh, is actually very, very cool. (laughs) So I'm very happy to be here. Well, thank you. Thank you for being here. And uh, you guys definitely did uh, hit the ground running throughout the pandemic. Uh, Two releases in one year during a pandemic, a live stream, being a part of Slay at Home. Um, definitely interesting ways to stay in contact with your fans. Uh, Satanic Tea. This episode is actually presented by Pitch Black North, the Satanic Tea Company. Um, Dominic, the dude that runs this, I love him to death. He really makes incredible tea products, and uh, they're all the most blasphemous stuff you can get your hands on. This is actually the one he made for Cryptopsy called None So Vile. It is a black lavender tea with uh, hops in it because anything that i have to get my hands on i need to sneak some hops into it obviously so (laughs) cheers to dominic for hooking this up and creating this and sending you a pack of it uh talk to me uh what how do you think about what 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 are your impressions of uh none so vile i mean first of all it's it's delicious it uh, honestly like i'm i'm still in like we're i'm still in coffee hours of the day right but uh but i'm drinking this this black tea and it's just it's it's got a really rich flavor profile, mm-hmm. and then also it's got like disgusting cover art, which you know is uh is, is a plus. I think it just it, it's awesome. I'm I literally before we started, I was on the Pitch Black North site, and I'm like loading up a cart. So Dominic <laughs> just uh <laughs> Dominic did the classic uh, sales trap where I got a free sample, and now I'm hooked. So uh yeah just awesome do it that's awesome and when you do check out you can use the promo code voxhops15 you'll save 15 percent off of your entire purchase as i drop nice. that in there right there. <laughs> uh, and the the artwork is really good it's um tarmouth is the artist's name on instagram and honestly this is uh a much tamed down version <laughs> of the original idea i had so <laughs> good for him for making it much more pg uh, despite uh, my children being afraid of it uh, <laughs> <laughs> if it doesn't scare children is it really metal exactly um <laughs> i'd love to hear about the soundtrack of your youth when you're growing up in your parents or guardian's house what music was playing when you were not in control of the radio what music did your parents or guardians listen to yeah, so uh, I, I got to give credit where it's due. Uh, my parents had had pretty good taste. Um, you know, I grew up in the '80s, so there was a lot of classic rock stuff going on. You know, obviously I'm from New Jersey, so Bruce Springsteen for sure, uh, Tom Petty, Rolling Stones, Pink Floyd, 
the Beatles, uh, and then, you know, just the stuff that was on rock radio at the time, which was like Men at Work, Huey Lewis and the News. Uh, you know, Thriller was an inescapable cultural phenomenon at that point in time. So, you know, I have to give credit where it's due. Um, Mom and Dad and the friends had, uh, had good taste in music. Hmm. How about um, the first band that you brought into the house that you exposed your parents to, whether they enjoyed it or not? <laughs> um, so, you know, the, the first batch of, of cassettes, um, it all started in 1992. Um, it was uh, Metallica's Black Album and uh, Megadeth's Countdown to Extinction and Nirvana Nevermind. Those were the three, like, first, you know, forays into uh, into heavier music. Uh, and, yeah, just, just obsessively, like, played them till the tapes wore out. Um, and then later, you know, it was Vulgar Display of Power by Pantera. Um, and I saw uh, Guar on Beavis and Butthead. And so I got America Must Be Destroyed on cassette and... Uh, and that was sort of the beginning of the end. You know, next comes Slayer. <laughs> you know, and you go down that path till all of a sudden you're listening to Deicide, Suffocation, Malevolent Creation, Cannibal Corpse, Hell you know, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> <laughs> what was your parents' um, reaction to the more extreme stuff once you started getting into that? I, I, have, a, I have a really funny memory of, uh, you know, a friend of mine gave me Vulgar Display of Power as a, as a gift for, I think it was for eighth grade graduation or something like that. And, you know, you know, mom had to do an inspection and she she saw the she saw the title fucking hostile. And of course, you know, <laughs> you know, she was she's no stranger to the world of, of rock and roll or, or the world of shock rock or anything like that. And she just looks at it and she goes, fucking hostile. Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> just just go. And she hands me the tape and I go upstairs and I listen to that <laughs> tape a thousand times. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I had a very I had a very cool mom who uh you know, indulged, she indulged my weirdness as long as I like wasn't getting into like any kind of serious trouble. Hmm. I think it's important to put those like loose boundaries with your yeah. children. Because if not, if you're, you're going to rebel, right. And, and dive even deeper into the stuff you're not supposed to do, maybe. Well, also it's like, it's how you raise adults, yeah. right? Like adults have to be responsible for themselves. They have to be able to use good judgment and make good decisions. So you have to you have to let people do that gradually over time. Um, you know, I don't have kids myself, but I have uh, a, a, a thousand nieces and nephews who <laughs> range, range in age from 13 to 22 now. And so, you know, if you if you don't if you don't let them explore, you don't let them learn, then, you know, it just you're going to pay for it later. Hmm. So I wonder how they do it nowadays with with parents because you know the, as your mother did it came into the house it was a physical object you could see with the song titles nowadays it's all in the cloud it's all digital man if i had, had I, if i had an ipad uh when i was 13 i think we'd be doing this uh we'd be doing this interview from a correctional facility <laughs> <laughs> just, you know just the, the worst things at your fingertips yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> how about your first shows do you remember the first show that you went to go see and was it bruce springsteen because that'd be cool uh i actually have never seen bruce springsteen live um i the, he did a he did a theater tour in uh new york uh, a couple months uh, a couple years ago and literally i i saw the notification i texted a friend of mine i said hey i'm gonna get tickets for this do you want to go he didn't get back to me in like a half hour and so when i went to order the tickets they were already sold out 
but you know, I'd, I'd obviously gone to like some local shows, you know, seeing bands play at you know uh, halls and whatnot. But my first like real deal, you know, professional concert was, uh, and I looked this up, was October fifteenth, nineteen ninety four, at a place called Studio One in Newark, New Jersey, and it was uh, the Fiends and the Dickies, and they were opening for Guar. Really? Um, so from from that from that album, and then you had to go see them. That's a a huge first show, like an experience. Yeah, no, it 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 just it completely ruined me for like all <laughs> like all future shows. It was like it was like, it's is boring. this better than Guar? Yeah. You know, and the answer the answer was always no. <laughs> uh, they were my favorite band at the time, mm. so I was you know I was super super geeked out. Uh, fun piece of trivia about that show: um, it was so hot in the club that uh, Odorous passed out. No way, and. And uh, and Dave Brocky sang the rest of the set backstage in a towel. Uh, <laughs> I found video of it actually this week as I was prepping for this interview. And you know, uh, there's a uh, the, the grand finale. You know, uh, Ballsack doesn't have his helmet on. Beefcake doesn't have his helmet on because it's uh, that Odorous hot. Is not on stage. Yeah. It's like that, like disgustingly hot. And I just thought, like, oh, this is just like. This is what the show professional is. shows yeah. professional <laughs> shows are supposed to be 120 degrees indoors. And <laughs> yeah, just wild. Very cool. I've toured with Guar in Canada. We did. Uh, we replaced a band that couldn't come up or someone had gotten injured and Cryptopsy jumped on. And the amount of work that they do to make that show happen is incredible. They, they are some of the hardest working people in extreme music. It's just unbelievable. My my love for Guar is extremely well documented um you know they were they were my favorite they were my absolute favorite band for many many years just purely on a musical level because they were so ferocious but also so uh musical yeah and you know and then obviously like i went down the rabbit hole of like slave pit singles and like death piggy and and all that stuff and just you know i've got the guar coffee table book over here with uh you know all the photos and flyers and and all that stuff and just the amount of you know, as I got older and started to, you know, know a bit more about what goes on behind the scenes of making, you know, live performances happen, which is like, it's like the amount of the amount of creativity that goes on behind the scenes is just insane. You know, from the, the creature design, mm-hmm. you know, the characters, the fabrication, you know, the fact that they do all this stuff themselves, it's just so awesome. You know, I'm, I'm you know, fortunate to be friends with, uh, you know, Sean McGrath mm-hmm. and you know, he's obviously, uh, you know, close with, with Guar and they like help inform sort of how ghoul operates. And it's just, it's just amazing. It's astonishing to me that they continue to, you know, I mean, geez, this show was in 94. That was the 28 years ago. Um, and that, and that was not their first show. They'd already been going for, you know, several years at that point. Uh, there's two bands that I've toured with that when I think of them, I can immediately, you know, how smell is such a, strong proponent to bring you places when i think of guar there's one smell which is like but like this rubber tire smell and then there's watane which is a different smell that i don't want to remember (laughs) (laughs) no one can forget the watane's fragrance (laughs) how about your first time on stage do you remember that show uh i I do so this was in uh in 1994 um about i guess like six months before i i saw guar i did my first like local show really okay that's interesting i was expecting it to be the opposite yeah no i you know the moment i got my first guitar i just wanted to i just wanted to play shows i wanted to make records i wanted to do stuff 
Um, I didn't have I didn't have the skill or the the ability, you know. And one might argue I still don't, but uh, you know, I, I just I said, hey, like you know, I had guys, you know, there were other musicians in my in my school who, you know, besides like whatever we were doing musically in you know school band or whatnot, uh, were also interested in you know rock and metal, and so I got together with I, I got together with a guy whose drum set I overheard at a friend's house Amazing. and you know, like we started our first he was band. his neighbor type thing yeah I, unbelievable i love this yeah so i was i was talking to my buddy and then all of a sudden i hear uh just the drums to sad but true and i'm like what <laughs> like like he's like it's like oh yeah uh matt lives over there his name is also matt and he's like it's like yeah matt lives over there i was like i was like oh i didn't i didn't know matt played drums outside of like marching band hmm. and so the next day at school i was like Hey, you play drums? He's like, yeah, obviously. I was like, I was like, no, but like, do you play like rock and roll drums? I heard you playing Sad but True, and he's like, it's like, yeah. I was like, you want to start a band? He's like, okay. <laughs> and that was the that was the beginning beginning of a series of unfortunate decisions that led me to where I am today. <laughs> it's all one decision, one bad decision at a time to get you there. Uh, what about that first show? Do you remember what 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 comes to mind when you think about that first night? So yeah, so first. Um, like thankfully the singer of the band that was headlining that show, uh, blew out the PA during soundcheck, oh, which I was yeah. secretly very grateful for because, uh, my singing voice was, was, and remains terrible. Um, <laughs> and so we were doing a bunch of, we were doing a bunch of covers. We had written two original songs, but they weren't very good and we hadn't really sort of finessed them. Um, and so we did, you know, some Metallica covers, some Nirvana covers, we did, uh, you know, the Megadeth version of Anarchy in the UK. Um, if you if you ever uh, if you ever want to have a laugh, um, ha- go to a show where a 13 year old is singing uh, Mother by Danzig uh, <laughs> when he hasn't quite when his voice hasn't quite deepened just yet. Um, I, I'm happy to report that the uh, single uh, VHS copy of that show was uh, destroyed when a VCR fell off an entertainment unit. So there is no, there is no longer any evidence linking me to that sonic crime. Another thing that I'm so grateful for, all these young artists that are coming up now, their first shows are going to live forever on the internet. Yeah. And then when they become super big stars, hypothetically, 20 years down the line, there's going to be all this documentation of them at their worst when, when you know, you got to play shitty shows. You got to suck in order to get good. I, I always said that, you know, by the year 2030... You won't be able to hire anyone for any job where there isn't pictures of them drunk on the internet. Exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, because uh, that was that was scandalous. You know, twenty years ago, like, oh my god, we found this, we found this stuff about you. Now it's yeah. just you know everything. But I think it's also just a change of the culture because one of the cool things is, you know, I mentioned I mentioned Guar earlier and mentioned Death Piggy. Like seeing the evolution of an artist, seeing the evolution of like a performance level is is very cool. You know, there are guys, there are guys I know who you know got really vigilant about their skills mm-hmm. and watching them evolve, you know, through these snapshots over time, whether it be records, tours, or just like, hey, I'm I'm shooting Instagram reels of me playing guitar. And like, you know, two years later, you're like, wow, this guy is awesome. And then you go back two years and you're like, wow, this was this was a hell of a journey. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's, you know, I think it's a uh, I think it's as embarrassing as, you know, mom busting out the baby photos with your prom date. Um, 
but I also think that there's, there's, there's a cool side to it as well. You know, uh, as long as they don't get the crowd shots when there's only four people there. Uh, that you know, that's that's the really uh, you got to frame these shots yeah. right, people. Zoom in. Even now, even now, I'm seeing tours happening, and I'm like, that doesn't look that good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is a sober Vox and Hops episode, um, hence the satanic tea that we're drinking. Um, talk to me about your sobriety, if you're open to speaking about that. Uh, at what point did you become sober, or were you just never into drinking? I've spoken to a bunch of artists, so I'm curious. Yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, the last time I had a beer, I was six years old, so it's been uh, it's been quite a while for me. Um, you know, had a had a sip of sip of dad's beer while he's watching football. Um, you know, I uh, and I know the tone of the show, so I'm I'm gonna keep it gonna keep it light and keep it brief. Happy to delve in more, but you know, I was exposed to a lot of uh, addiction in in my family and in my community, and I just said, you know, this is. Uh, this is not something that I really want to get involved with. You know, when I was 11 or 12, when like peer pressure was starting. Oh yeah. Uh, and then when I was, when I was a sophomore in, in high school, uh, I had a family member who, who passed away uh, due to alcohol related causes. And I just said, okay, you know what, that, that kind of seals it. Um, and so, you know, and then at that point in time, people were like, well, what are you straight edge? And I was like, I was yeah. like no, cause I don't care what other people do, like do what you want. And I'll, I'll say this, you know, explicitly, um, my sobriety has nothing to do with anybody else, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you, but it shouldn't if either. you enjoy, if you enjoy beer and it makes your life better and you have fun with it, like absolutely do it, you know? Um, like I, I, I also don't like broccoli, but that's not an <laughs> indictment of anybody who, you know, eats broccoli, right? Like, um, but so, you know, I basically just said, okay, this is like not, uh, I'm not going to mess with this stuff. Um, and that was a that was a decision that was pretty firm, like pretty young. Um, and so, you know, high school, it was hard, like college, it was harder. And now, you know, at this stage in my life, you know, I know enough people who, you know, have either like gone too far and pulled back or, you know, people who do things like, you know, dry January or sober February or what have you. So it's not a it's not an issue anymore. It's just like not a thing I do. And so, you know, it just uh you know, alcohol, alcohol and drugs are lots of fun for lots of people. Um, but given, given my, uh, family history and genetic proclivity and also just my personality generally, like I'm not a person who does moderation as, as you know, generally. (laughs) So it's kind of, for me, it's kind of like all or nothing. And so I just said, all right, you know what, like maybe, you know, maybe I'll drink some scotch for my 50th birthday, but until then, you know, I just want to, kind of keep things on the rails that's amazing that you discovered and realized and made the decision so young i think that's um the the key thing that i've gotten out of what you just told me that um at such a young age you knew that it wasn't right for you i think that it it probably one of the best decisions you ever made oh absolutely who would have known what direction your life would have gone in had you not made that decision well, unfortunately, I know exactly which direction it would have gone because I've had to watch it play out with with other folks. And, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm I'm happy to be here. Like I have a I, I you know, I, I'm a I can I can gripe about anything. Right. I can I can complain about the kids being on my lawn, you know, and the state of music <laughs> these days, uh, you know, but uh, on, but the, in reality, the, like the I old school a, death metal resurgence is, is upon us. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Uh, and, and we must, we must stamp out the new metal revival. Um, 
but uh you know I'm in reality child. <laughs> I, oh i know we're we're, we're we're happy you came to the light Ms. Spaghetti. We're, we're very happy you came to the light um you know but at, at the end of the day it was it was it was a decision that i made that you know i continue to just kind of, like again now at this point in my life it's like it's like that's just a thing like you know i think i think probably the hardest years were definitely those earlier years when everyone else was getting into it i can imagine putting myself back in time a band situation where there's like a camaraderie uh, we're gonna drink tonight and you were like no i'm not going to those were probably the hardest days well i i so i i i occasionally fill in for hammer fight you know and uh if you want to talk about a band that that drinks you know i mean <laughs> their hits include get wrecked i didn't feel like drinking until i started drinking <laughs> you mm. know uh their first album was called Chug of War. Um, <laughs> and then here you are on stage. With, <laughs> it's like John Jarvis with the booze hands now. Yeah. So, you know, but uh, but everybody's like, what I found is everybody's cool as long as you're not a dick. Oh, yeah. And then also like, it's it can be very convenient to have a designated driver around. Oh, hell yes. When, uh, when things get especially messy. Oh, hell <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, nowadays, I, I think it's it's much more accepted and uh, people are much more open about either problems with addiction or just the I don't want to drink. And, and it's much more accepted than back in the 90s. So, um, yeah. Well, and Alex from Ruinous actually just posted today, um, you know, there, he had like a throwback photo of him, you know, holding a beer bottle. And, you know, the last time he had a drink was 2002, okay. you know. Um, and so, like, it's... Uh, it's very it's very cool like when we hang out it's just kind of a it's a different vibe um you know and like alcohol is a great social lubricant mm-hmm. it can be a lot of fun there's lots of different flavors lots of different things to taste lots of different things to experience um you know but i, I treat it like a peanut allergy yeah. right like it's 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 very bad for me that's it and you have no issues being around people that are partying that's the wrong word people that are drinking yeah i uh <laughs> i always say that uh other other people drinking lets me have more fun um <laughs> you know uh and then and then occasionally uh occasionally i get to be the, the person who regales people of like what actually happened last night exactly yeah um and i i'm i don't always tell the truth <laughs> which can be a lot of fun for me <laughs> uh, the reason i corrected myself before is because there's there's like this myth um that partying means drinking means taking drugs um I spoke to Chris from Party Cannon, who is also just never drank. He was just never into it. Um, yeah. Talk to me about the fallacy of drinking means partying. You can still party and not drink. Yeah. I mean, so so the thing is, like, a lot of, a lot of substances just, they, they re- reduce your inhibitions, mm-hmm. right? And so there's stuff that you wouldn't do sober that you would do after you had a couple drinks, right? And it might be something... You know, it might be something silly. It might be something reckless. It might be something, you know, like, oh, I can't I can't talk to that girl because, you know, I, I haven't had my liquid courage yet. Or like, I'm not going to jump off the roof of the van. Like, why would I do that? Um, <laughs> Don't jump off the roof of the van, people. You got to go. You're on tour for a reason. It's to play the shows. You got to finish the tour. Someone just jumped into the crowd recently, broke both his legs. Um, he's probably regretting that jump right now. Yeah. Like, especially especially when you're when you're no longer 22 yeah you know (laughs) bounceable um you know i always i always tell people like you know the the alcohol alcohol can make you uh a little bit more impulsive 
and a little bit uh, less intelligent, and I'm uh, impulsive and stupid. So I'm down. Let's go. <laughs> you know? Like let's get silly. Let's get let's get rowdy. Let's do some. Let's do. Let's get into some shenanigans. You know, we're here to have fun. Like why not? You know. <laughs> at the end of the day, at the end of the day, if you're if you're comfortable in your own skin and you're comfortable around the people that you're with, then you know you can have just as good a time. Um, and you know the the hangovers are way better. Like if you drink <laughs> drink too much tea. You know? Fuck yes, you, you just you just, just feel amazing the next day. People drink that satanic tea. Um, thank you for opening up about your sobriety. I, I I really appreciate you being so honest about it all. Absolutely. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hopsins? I just want to take a little moment about Cryptopsy's upcoming tours. That's right, I'm talking about the Scream of Perseverance tour and our headliner dates that coincide with that tour called As Summer Burns. The Scream of Perseverance tour is kicking off at the end of May and runs all the way until the end of June. We are supporting the mighty death to all. We are going all over the United States and we are hitting some of Canada. So excited to be honoring the legendary music of death alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums. Even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to voxandhops.com slash summer and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxandhops.com slash summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown. Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. Let's continue down the path of honesty and talk a little bit about uh, you not being a part of Tombs anymore. Yes. Which um, I wasn't aware of. Um, I was sitting down setting up for this and I had just gotten a promo email from Katie from Seasons of Mists and I was like reading through it and I was like, oh, this is so cool. I'm going to write her and tell her that I got mad on coming up, uh, but I didn't. And then I read the email properly and I saw your name nowhere. <laughs> so I asked you before we started recording. So yeah, sure. So, uh, so first let me, let me do the, let me do the proper thing for, for my boys. Um, you know, tombs has a new EP out, mm-hmm. um, ex oblivion or ex oblivion. Yeah. So there's, um, it's five tracks. Um, it's one new song. It's two covers, uh, a motorhead cover and a Gigi Allen cover. Nice. And then, uh, two remixes of older tombs songs. It is, uh, it, I guess it's out on Season of Mist. Um, Thing. It's dropping July 15th. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so I literally, I texted, I texted Ninja before we got on here. I was like, I was like dude, give me the one-liner. <laughs> because <laughs> I didn't get the, the promo stuff. So, um, you know, if you, if you look at the, the Tombs Metal Archives page, you know, uh, Tombs cycles members quite frequently. And I think Mike likes to keep, I, I think Mike likes to keep new energy around him to sort of foster his creativity. So, um, I, when I originally joined in, I guess it was 2018, um, it was supposed to be, I was supposed to be a fill-in guy for Mm. a tour, right? They were like, Hey, we have a new guy coming in. Um, he can't do this tour. Do you want to do it? I was like, yeah, sure. Um, and that tour instead turned into, you know, uh, four years, a a few years, (laughs) you know, a few years and some, uh, and, and some, some great releases and some great shows, some great, uh, touring experiences. Um, Got me into the band Barishi, who are awesome. Um, yeah, I really. Like you know, our, our buddies, our buddies from Vermont. Yeah, so you know, over the course of the pandemic, we did, um, we did the Slay at Home, we did the uh, 
the full live set uh, video production. And then uh, it was kind of silence for a little while. Um, and then, you know, Mike just said, hey, we're going to we're going to do this as a three piece. And, you know, that was uh, that was sort of the end of it, which actually wound up the timing actually wound up working out really well because uh, Alex had you know gotten in touch with me and was like, dude, we have all this new material. Like, when are we going to finish this record? Um, That's for for rudeness, right? Yeah. So it was a, it was a fun ride. Uh, you know, I'm very happy with the work that I did around uh, Monarchy of Shadows and Undersell Skies. I feel like they're I feel like they stand out in the Tombs discography uh, and are really strong records. Uh, you know, happy about the shows I played and, you know, uh, easy come, easy go. You know, it started with a phone call. It ended with a phone call. Everything's cool. You know, I'm still in, I think, three bands with Drew, <laughs> two bands with Ninja. And, uh, and you know, Mike Hill is just going to continue rolling on as he has with Tombs since, you know, since their foundation. So, you know, it's all good. So that's a, such a mature way of dealing with this. And, that, and that's because we've been through some shit, right? Back when you were 16, if something like this happens, it's so painful. It's like a band is a part of our identity. Whereas now with maturity, especially since you've been in so many projects over the time, it's just a, a, a new passage in your life, basically. Well, I also think part of it is, you know, um, you can, you begin to separate your creative energy and your creative identity from a single band or a single project. Right. So like, you know, I mean, there's, there's stuff that you want to create that doesn't necessarily fit into the world of cryptopsy. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, I learned that in the first record. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, uh, then it's like, okay, well, just cause you're not doing that with cryptopsy doesn't mean you can't do it. Right. And this is why, you know, um, the, the projects that that are that continue to be ongoing, you know, they've all had they've all had cycled members. They've all had different things. And, and for me, it's about like, what am I trying to create at this point in time with this group of individuals? Right. So like time capsule almost. Yeah. So like, you know, Ruinous, Ruinous is three guys from Funabarum. Right. And we were continuing this thing forward of like, you know, down tuned, like mournful, very brutal you know, influenced by, you know, a lot of like the Finnish and Swedish death metal of old. Um, and that's a vibe, you know, um, whereas like with tombs, you know, like the post rock elements, you know, like some of the, the cleaner parts, like the more atmospheric bits, like they're, they're awesome. Right. But it's a completely different flavor. So, um, you know, I mentioned I have, you know, I fill in for hammer fight, which is Drew's band. Drew plays in Colossi, Drew plays in tombs. Drew is a live bassist for ruinous. Right. And so me and him, like, it's literally a matter of like who's standing in the center and and who's standing to the right and like what tuning are we at? Right. And like, and when, when I'm doing hammer fight, it's like, it's like, all right, this is Drew's vision. How can I help realize Drew's vision? And then, you know, with Ruinous, it's like, it's like, this is, you know, my vision with Alex and Sean continuing sort of the work that we were doing before. And then, you know, with Colopsia again, it's like, it's the same idea of, Hey, we have, you know, it's it's about like the sort of knuckle dragging uh, aspect of death metal and hardcore, you know, combined and everybody can contribute to all these ideas. Right. I wrote stuff for tombs, but I didn't write ruinous songs for tombs. Right. I didn't write Colossia songs for tombs. I wrote tomb songs for tombs. And my take on what a tomb song is like might be a little bit different than other folks that have, that have come in. But I think that, you know, when you when you are, you know, we live in an era where it's a lot easier to collaborate uh, remotely 
you know, and, and all that sort of stuff. You can work with folks, you know, all over the planet. And so now it's a matter of, you know, are you able to get your, your fix on the creative stuff that you're working on? And when I was in a band, you know, when I was in bands in high school, it was like, it was like, no, there, there are seven people in the whole community. Right. And I'm in a band with three of them. And, oh, we're not friends anymore because we had this band break up. So now I'm, I've, I've, I've burned 50 percent of the entire musical population that I have access to. Right. Um, you know, you get a little bit older, you, you get, you know, access to a car. And in the modern era, like if you have a recording interface and a decent Internet connection, Endless. you know, you can jam with you can jam with guys that you never mm-hmm. meet, you know, ever and, and put out amazing records because you're your creative energies are aligned. And that for me is the most important thing. Like if I'm, if I'm just filling in for a gig or like, you know, whatever, you know, I'll play pop punk if that's what you need. Um, but if I'm going to like really put a lot of time and a lot of creative energy, you know, I want to make sure that I'm aligned with the, the vision. And the cool thing about the tombs records that I did compared to some of the other stuff in the discography is they're some of the most ferocious records in the whole catalog, you know, and that for me was, was a big deal because if it was just going to all be like, you know, a post rock vibe, and 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 no teeth to it whatsoever it wasn't going to be a good fit but it turned out that like you know still had those classic tombs hallmarks but also had like the fastest stuff we ever did like the heaviest stuff we ever did um you know just just ferocious and you know the the material speaks for itself so that for me is like the whole nature of the whole nature of creative uh collaboration is really just how, how how do our creative energies align at this point in time for what we're trying to create and then you know, putting that out. Um, and not all fires are meant to burn forever. Right. That's the other thing. Like sometimes some, some of the best bands or some of the best lineups just last for that moment. And a lot of bands hypothetically should even stop after that, but they don't. I mean, I just, I just saw, uh, you know, one of my first shows since things opened back up was immolation was headlining, but it was, uh, it was mortician and demolition hammer and, you know, and demolition hammer was a band that I thought I would never see live. You know, they put out three albums, um, you know, two like really awesome, you know, death thrash albums in the early 90s. And then they kind of went like more groove oriented direction on a third album. And then they then they broke up. But uh, those first two records, I think, are just like Epidemic of Violence is one of my favorite records of all time. And just to see these guys who are like, you know, like I'm in my 40s. These guys are in their, you know, like their first record came out in 1990. Right. So, you know, they're playing a song that's 32 years old. So I can't imagine them being, you know, uh, 33 and just <laughs> and, and them getting on stage and just being like, no, no, this is what we do. You know, it's not like, oh, here's a new song. You know, same thing with with Repulsion, like Repulsion. Repulsion knows like they captured a moment in time that set off an explosion of basically an entire genre of, of bands um they don't need to put out another record they don't need to write new songs they don't need to explore other you know adjacent genres um they just need to go up and play a bunch of stuff off horrified and watch maniacs run in a circle and crash into each other you know (laughs) and and they could keep doing that for the rest of their lives and Mm -hmm. everyone will be very happy about it when you're writing for specific projects how does that work is it like or when you're just sitting there playing guitar you mentioned there's different tuning so i imagine that comes into the how this ends up happening but is there a moment where you're writing a riff and you're like oh that's a collapse riff oh that's a ruinous riff oh this would have been a tombs riff or is it really like tied into the tuning of the guitar because I, I imagine that affects a lot of it yeah so so uh one interesting thing about the different tunings uh you know ruinous is tuned very low we're tuned to to a standard um 
And uh, and so I use heavier strings. I have specific guitars that are set up for that tuning. And and when you're and so when you're playing when you're playing that guitar, right? Like everything has to be more forceful, right? So it's like more deliberate. Um, and also like things just resonate a lot more. So there's so there's a lot more sort of like doom elements. And then it also comes back to like how I mentally filter my influences, right? I, I love old school video games, grew up playing NES. Like I think the I think the Capcom game soundtracks are awesome, but like they don't come they don't come into the forefront of my mind when I'm like trying to write like ignorant hardcore riffs, right? Like that's just you know, so I'm I'm constantly filtering these things, you know, in and out. And so like, you know, what I always say is uh is Matt from Colopsia loves hate breed. Matt from Ruinous doesn't know who they are. Interesting. Right. Yeah. Like, um, and so the, you know, part of it is like, I might be writing something for, for a and be like, Oh, that's actually, that's a ruinous riff or, or vice versa. You know, same thing with, uh, same thing with tombs, you know, part of it is, you know, I think, I don't know if this is true for everyone who does this creative work, but what I have found for myself is I only ever have like 50% max control about what's happening when I'm playing. Right. I'm, I'm doing something. Um, but the, the, the riff or the song or the vibe or the sound is going to take me in a direction. Right. And so I know that when I'm in my you know home studio setup and I'm playing, like I tend to be, I tend to be more dexterous. I tend to write like faster, more technical riffs. But when I'm in a room with a loud amp, right, it, it becomes a lot more caveman Neanderthal just because the sheer volume and the impact of like the judge, 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 like is way different than when it's on small speakers when you're really more like dun, 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 dun. so part of it's like what what suits the song what are the identities of the bands and then where is the creativity sort of taking me in in exploring these journeys so um so Colossia has has a seven inch coming out uh called hideous pleasures it's a re-recording of an old song from our our first album called pleasure and torture which is just a, a straight barbaric simple primitive ugly song um and then you know when we started you know when i started the band uh geez 23 years ago um the first you know the first riffs i was writing were like really down-tuned ignorant mosh riffs and so we just said you know what like we should just do a slam song we should just do a song that's like all ignorant all guttural vocals super you know super primitive and so uh the a side is devolved in a hideous frenzy which is a song about how when you listen to death metal, it lowers your IQ 10 points and you just want to smash things. Um, (laughs) It's not true um, people, (laughs) you know? um, Well, when you listen to the stuff I write, um, (laughs) you know, and and if you're not getting that result, then, you know, you need, you need another dose. Um, So that'll be out in, in August. Um, Ruinous, we're working on a new record right now. One of the things I did over the course of the past couple of years was I organized the sort of backlog of all the various tidbits of stuff and we actually have like an hour and a half of new material Unbelievable. and so it's just a matter of you know well you know when, when you finally get all the voice memos off your phone uh yeah. <laughs> it's amazing how much <laughs> stuff you actually have um you know and so uh again like i go back to the uh these sort of framing statements or, or creative lenses that i put on when i was writing for tombs it's like a lot of tombs of stuff is like dark and meditative right even if it's like a slower you know you know might be like a tremolo thing but like the the note changes are less frequent it's more sort of like steady it's more yeah it's about that vibe it's about that atmosphere so it's about it's about the it's it's a it's meditative 
but it's not meditative in the way that cynic is meditative, which is much more like about, you know, the light, the light in your heart chakra. This is more like, you know, the, the, the gloom, the gloom of mortality, you know, uh, creeping in on us all. Um, and that, and that kind of leads more into sort of the ruinous side of things is, you know, it's much more, it's much more despondent. It's much more about like the, the horror, uh, of, you know, just the, just the brutality of the brutality of existence through a lens of like, we are all, we're all perpetually in a state of creation and destruction where, you know, uh, whether, whether you look at, you know, generational changes, whether you even just look at the food chain, right? There's, there's creative acts of destruction and then there's just destruction. Um, and this is, and this is what it means to be in reality, right? So it's just, there are these cycles. And when I step out of death metal mode, right? It's like, it's like all of nature is about cycles, right? You exhale carbon dioxide, plants exhale oxygen, right? You, you feed each other, right? That's a virtuous cycle, but that's not super brutal. So I'm just going to focus on the fact that, you know, your corpses feed the worms and the worms feed the birds, (laughs) you know, and on through, through that. So, you know, you, you put things through the death metalizer, you know, and, uh, and that's a lot different than, you know, Colopsy is much more about sort of that frenetic energy, but then also just the, the, the beatdowns, right? Like that, that New Jersey, New York thing of like, of like, all right, if, if, if no one, if no one gets hurt, like we're not doing it right. <laughs> so, um, you know, obviously we don't want, really want people no, to get we hurt. Don't want to get, no, it's the worst thing when it happens. I've had two, three times where people have gotten seriously hurt in the pit and I feel bad no, for that, about it to till today. No, that's, I mean, I mean, you know, it's a, uh, it's, it's the, all right, motherfuckers, I want to see you kill each other, but, yeah. but don't, no, don't be nice, really man. Do it, though. Yeah. You know, <laughs> if somebody, you know, I, I go back, I go back to, you know, decade of aggression, uh, you know, Slayer Live, you know, if, uh, if somebody goes down in the pit, help them up. That's what we're yeah. here to do. Yeah. Help each other out. Yeah. You know, that's, like, that's the real energy, but I want that, I want that vibe. I want that, I want that Neanderthal, because for me, like, my my brain is too busy all the time, right? And so for me, when I'm when I'm like really into it, you know, like I saw Mortician, like it's about like okay, I'm gonna like shut my brain off and be like in a different in a different place. Um, and it's really it's it's really for me, it's you know, especially like two years of not going to shows, like two years of not going to shows. The first time I like went to a show and like you know pushed a guy who wanted to be pushed, I was like. I was like, oh, this is medicine. Like, this is medicine for my soul, right? And like, that it sounds it sounds ridiculous, right? But one of the things over the past couple of years, I think a lot of people have had that sort of moment of, you know, what really matters. And you know, I always, you know, I live walking distance to St. Vitus. Like, I'm spoiled. I can go to shows like all the time, right? But like, you know, you you forget. Like, I think people, people like us who are fortunate in that we're able to do something that we're so passionate about, you know, um, we forget how fortunate we are. We forget how fortunate you are to, like, be able to go to, like, a cool venue or a cool show or, like, be on the road and see cool bands every night and, like, have that visceral experience. And you go, you go without it for a couple of years. Like, literally, the first time I had, like, a serious, like, mosh, I was like, I was like, I was like, holy shit, I feel so much better. I didn't even realize, I didn't even realize like how nourishing that was, you know? And so, you know, the next show was like, all right, like, let's like understand that this is, this is something that is, you know, and and it's, it's ridiculous, right? Because this has been part of my life for like, 
30 years. Right. Um, but it never, it never occurred to me that this is like, you know, this is that, this is that spiritual thing. Right. I was, I was joke. Like, you know, somebody was like, Oh, you, you know, you know, join my church or whatever. I was just send them, you know, uh, pierce from within. I'm like, welcome to my church. Right. <laughs> That's true. And I was about to say that, 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 a lot of people get this same feeling that you're getting from going to gather with like-minded people in a religious setting. And, and when I, you know, the first time I jammed with Sean working on, you know, new ruinous material, like it was the first time I played music, like really, really loud, like not with a purpose, you know, like when we, we, you know, you, you're doing a live stream, you're no, doing, you're doing yeah. a show, right? You get it's, like, it's like, yeah. you know, it's like, it's like, all right, let's like, we're, we're, we're practicing, you know, we're rehearsing and now we're performing. Right. This was like just like unstructured, like like, hey, this is a cool idea. Hey, that that's a cool idea. Oh, wouldn't it be cool if we did this? And just just loud, like just literally the vibrations of of a loud amp like reverberating in my sternum. I was like, I was like, I was like, this is this is transformative. This is incredibly powerful. And you know, I don't I I, I never really put that together, you know, because I listen to music on headphones all the time. Uh, you know, and I just said I said, you know what there is something to that. And I remember going back to that first, that first show in 1994, seeing Guar, um, when they sound checked the bass, like I, it, it, it vibrated my entire skeleton. You know, it was so loud. Uh, I was also very small. Um, and, uh, and just that feeling of like, it just, it's literally shifting, shifting the vibration of your entire physical being. This is so incredibly powerful. Um, yeah. And so I'm, I'm so happy. Like I got to see immolation, mortician, the demolition hammer. I got to see cerebral rot last week. Um, I got to see, uh, defeated sanity, um, and a band called splattered open for them. And I'd never heard them before. And they are awesome. And vitriol as well. Yeah. Yes. Um, so just, just an awesome, it is, it's really, it's really restorative for me to like be back in it. It also really highlighted for me the importance of this is, this is not just some dumb weird hobby that's a holdover from when I was a teenager. Like this is a thing that is actually like a, a transcendent experience in terms of how I experience live music in the world. Mm. Um, so it's a, it's you know, part of your it's, uh, yeah. And I never, I never took it that I never took it that seriously. Like I was always serious about doing it, but I never really understood like exactly how significant it was to the scaffolding of my existence. And, you know, and you know, that for me is like, that's a silver lining of, of this whole, you know, past couple of years of, of brutality in a different way is really saying like, okay, you know what, this is something like, I need to make time for it. I need to make space for it. You know, uh, I need to, I need to experience it. And I also need to like respect it for how important it is because it wasn't really, that wasn't really something I ever really gave a ton of thought to. It was just like, yeah, no, oh, there's a show this weekend. Cool. I'm going to go to the show. Oh, we're doing a tour. Cool. Let's do that tour. Um, but now it's like, it's like, okay, no, this is, this is, this is, this for me is a, a transcendent experience. And if I, if I go too long without it, it will actually affect me in ways that are unseen at first, but, but that stack up over time. And then, you know, and then I have to do some real repair work, which is, you know, not something I've really understood about myself prior to 2020. Hmm. You've covered a lot of my upcoming questions, which is amazing in that one very insightful um speech i i 
love that very much. But there is one thing you didn't cover yet. And when we were setting this up with Michelle Ayub, uh, a line came out. It's called Ice Bumper Cars and Other Unkept Promises. I don't understand <laughs> this, but I, I would love to. So, so open, open up about that, please. Okay. So so I met, I met Michelle. Um, she was at um, a tomb show in Montreal. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we became, we became fast friends. And so when Bruinus was, uh, playing in Montreal in 2019, she came out, um, you know, we got to, got to hang out a bit. And, um, when she was in, she was in New York for a few days and, you know, she, she sent me a message and I was like, I was like, yeah, let's, let's get together. So we got together, you know, it was a weekday. I, I was at work, um, after work, I met her at, you know, a coffee shop, we grabbed some coffee and then we were just kind of doing the walk and talk thing. And it was, uh, it was around Christmas time. And so I guess this, this must've been like, yeah, like December, 2019 or something like that. And so we were just, we were just walking around talking. Um, and you know, New York is a, is a, is a dense place where a lot's happening. And we wound up near, uh, Rockefeller center where the, the Christmas tree is, but they had, um, they had this thing I'd, I'd never seen it before. They had like basically this outdoor skating rink where they had these uh, like bumper cars that were uh, like like hovercraft bumper cars with giant. But yeah, just like a, a really like cool, weird like thing. And, and people were driving around and uh, and and bumping into each other and laughing. And, you know, there was like Christmas trees everywhere. And it was like a really fun thing, and we were we were just walking past it, and, I was, and we were like, "What? What is that? What is going on over there?" Uh, and then, so like again, uh, you know, partying partying without drinking. It's like it's like that seems fun. Let's go do that thing. And so, you know, we ran over, we checked it out. You know, uh, we're you know both of us are kind of up for anything. So we're like, "All right, let's let's do this." So we tried to find that we found the uh, admission office, but it was it was late, and so they were they were closing, and so. I was like standing there and I was like, like every trick in the book, like trying to cajole, <laughs> like, 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 dude, you don't understand. Like she, she's from another country, you know? And like, and then, and then I was like, I was like, I was like, no, you don't understand. This is like a make a wish kid. Like it's, it's her last wish. Like, you know, um, trying to get all this stuff done. And then literally, you know, I was like, I was like, I didn't know that, that I didn't know that that happened. Us walking and talking is why we stumbled across that. And then I was like, I was like, all right, next year, like for sure. Like, find yourself find yourself in new york in november december and we'll be there and we will smash into each other and it'll be ridiculous <laughs> uh, and it'll be fun and we didn't know that you know like four months later the world was going to pause um so i uh so shout out to to michelle shout out to turbo house uh i still i still have an unkept you know she has she has an uncashed check to do uh you know ice bumper cars in new york next time she's down so uh yeah it was a uh, it was a fun, it was a fun time, um, and uh, you know we'll we'll do that hopefully December November December this year. I love that very very much, and massive cheers to Michelle and the Turbo House crew and staff, and it's just a great place. If you haven't been there in Montreal on Saint Denis Street, you absolutely should. I love them, and I handpick their craft beer that is on tap every week, and. Uh, it's killer, so you should definitely go there. This is a Heavy Montreal Presents Vox and Hops episode, so I, I would love to hear uh, what your biggest uh, Montreal story would be. How do you feel about Montreal? What does Montreal mean to you? So Montreal, for me, is actually like one of the most important cities in the world. It is probably the place I would move if I were to like leave the U.S. Um, 
yeah, I, I love Montreal. I love everything about it. And my metal history is deeply intertwined with Montreal. So the first Colossia record, we actually recorded at Victor Studio. Hell yes, I've, I've, I've worked there too, yeah. Yeah, with, with JF from Cataclysm produced the record. So, so in 2002 was my first time in Montreal. It was also my first time leaving the United States. Um, and it was, before, um, it was before passports were required to go yeah. into Canada. Um, and so Not those we drove up. People. <laughs> um, so we, we drove up. Um, we did the entire album in four days, uh, recording and mixing. Uh, you know, That's I was intense. Sleeping, yeah. sleeping on JF's uh, living room floor and uh you know lots of lots of poutine and other shenanigans um we were supposed to wrap at midnight um and then head back uh i had to get back for for school at the time and uh we wound up mixing until seven o'clock in the morning and then going to going to jf's place grabbing our stuff and and leaving um and uh it was it was an amazing time and then as that was that was a beginning and then uh, also Montreal, the Roar Festival, was the last show I played with Funeral Arms. So we played with um, we played with Blasphemy and a bunch of other great bands. Um, and actually, one of the guys, one of the guys at the Cerebral Rock show uh, last week, you know, mentioned that show, and I was like, I was like, holy shit, that show was bananas! Just killer bands, killer bands, killer vibe, killer show. Uh, and, you know, unknown to me at the time that that would, you know, I would leave Funeral Arm shortly thereafter. So that was our that was the last show that, you know, Alex and Alex, Sean and I did with uh, with Funeral Arm and that and all that stuff happened in Montreal. Um, so, yeah, just uh, love that city. Uh, can't wait to go back waiting for things to, you know, open back up and, and then we'll find ourselves there and we'll definitely find ourselves at Turbo House. At some oh, hell point. yes. Oh, hell yes. And they also have very good non-alcoholic beer, uh, which I also helped choose from Le Bazal. Uh, I don't know if you mess around with non-alcoholic beer, but if you do, I'll have a choice for you there. Um, very happy that we spent some time together. This was amazing. Uh, I really, really appreciate hanging out with you, Matt. Uh, great, great time just listening to you be so open about everything i really 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 had a great time thank you so so much this is amazing happy to be here um can't wait to hang out in the flesh face to face massive cheers to michelle Ayub for helping organize this uh dominic from pitch black north for hooking us up with some delicious uh hydrating blasphemous uh, liquids uh from pitch black north <laughs> uh, this was great really appreciate it. thank you so much cheers cheers Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. Man, was this ever a great conversation. Just so much fun to dig into Matt and his mindset about writing collaboratively. Really opened up my eyes of, of like being in the moment, connecting with someone, writing that album, and then maybe just stepping away. It's just something that I thought about a lot since the conversation. Massive cheers to Matt. I can't wait to hang out with him at Turbo House with Michelle Ayub. Massive, massive cheers to Matt. I appreciate you. If you enjoyed this Vox and Hops episode, you should sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast mailing list. You can get it on my website, voxandhops.com. That's V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S.com. And when you do that, you shall receive two emails a month, which will contain all of the details of everything that has happened recently in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. You'll get to see which episodes I've dropped recently. You'll get to see which episodes I have coming up. You'll get to see which albums the Vox and Hops album review crew have reviewed recently. 
And you'll get to see which albums Jerry Monk, the metal architect himself, has put on the Brutal Awakenings playlist, which is available on both Apple Music and Spotify. There is just so much going on in the world of the Vox and Hoss Metal podcast, I'd hate for you to miss a single thing, so sign up to the mailing list. The Vox and Hoss Metal podcast is brought to you by Sound Talent Media and Evergreen Podcasts. I hope you have a great rest of the week. I have one more episode coming out on Friday, but until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops heads. Well, hey, friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Again.